Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. We're in our series this morning and uh, this month called Joy. Say joy. The king has come. And so basically he's here and um, we're in the season in the Christian calendar is what we call the Advent season. And many of you may be familiar with the word Advent. If you're not, you may have seen it around wonder what does the word Advent mean? Advent, the word Advent is a Latin word that comes from the word Adventus, which simply means coming. And basically, as Christians, we celebrate that in the Christian calendar from December 1st through December 24th. And it's where Christians kind of pause and take a moment to remember the coming of Jesus and his coming of the birth when he was born and also his second coming because we believe Jesus is coming again. And so we take that time to pause and to think and wonder what would it have been if he would not come. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, I'm just glad he came. I said, I'm glad he came. And I'm glad that he came for me because I don't know where I would be, what I would be doing, where I would be at if it wasn't for him. And I'm grateful because he came down, my life went up. Hallelujah. Because he came down, he changed everything, and Jesus became that gift, not just, a, not just a gift under the tree, but Jesus became the gift on the tree, and he shed his blood for you and I, and so today we can be grateful that Jesus came, and there's a number of reasons why we can be grateful today, and his presence gave me a present and gave you a present, and so I want to read out of Luke chapter 2, which is the foundation of our text and really want to minister on the subject of great joy. Say great joy. Great joy. And so uh, out of Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, and they were keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord was shown around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Fear not, he was saying. I bring you good news, say good news, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, or Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the people of God. I thank you for every person that is sitting in this room and wherever state of mind and heart they're in. I pray that the word of God would minister to them, that the word would come alive today. And God, they would understand that there is joy, Lord, not from this world, but joy that you can give them today. And so, Holy Spirit, uh, God, just remove every distraction because there's so many things uh, that are on our mind, but help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. Help us, Father, to hear clearly your word for us today. I pray for the anointing on every word that I speak and that the people would hear the voice behind the voice. 
In Jesus' name. And the people said, so his presence gave me a present, gave you a present, and that is the present of joy. And I want to talk about the subject of great joy. As we're in this series of joy, I might as well talk about joy, what real joy is. And I'm here today to teach you what real joy is. Some of you have an idea of what joy is. Some of you may even think you know what joy is, but I want to show you through God's word and define to you what true joy is because you may not really understand what you think you do because the Bible said that the shepherds were tending the sheep. They were taking care of their flock at night and then an unannounced encounter of an angel came and told them, I bring great news or I bring good news. He said, not fake news. How many thank God for that? I don't bring fake news. I don't bring bad news. He said, I bring you good news of great joy. And so these angels were kind of minding their own business, doing their work and task as shepherds. An unannounced encounter with an angel came and told them a messenger from God and said, I come and bring you great news. Now, the great thing about this is that this is information, firsthand information that hadn't got out yet. Nobody even knew that Jesus was born. They hadn't posted on Facebook yet. Uh, there was not a Twitter. Uh, there was not a math task. Uh, uh, there was an Instagram out yet. Uh, no one knew. Only the shepherds were privy to this information, this firsthand information, undeserved information that was given by an angel. Now, let me just tell you what that is called. When you get information that nobody else gets, you know what that's called? That's called favor. Turn to your neighbor and say favor. That's called favor. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's unexplainable, but yet God gives it to you. And so that is what favor does. It's a treatment that you should not be arrogant about, but you should be appreciative. In other words, this morning, it's not by your own doing. It's not because of your goodness, but it's because of God's goodness. And these, angels, or these shepherds were, got this revelation of, from this angel that Jesus was born, and they begin to respond in praise, and they begin to thank God because they've heard the good news. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the favor of God. How many want the favor of God? I do. I want the favor of God. Here's the thing about favor. Favor is not fair. In other words, this morning, we can't explain it. We don't know where it comes from. We don't even know how God does it, but he decides to favor you and give you information and revelation that others may not have. And sometimes that information this morning not only gives us access to information no one has, but it gives us access to an opportunity that no one else gets. These shepherds got an opportunity that nobody else got to have because the Bible says they went to see the baby and they got to see Jesus face to face. The Bible says that they got to see him. They came around the manger. They saw him in swaddling cloth and, and he, there's this undeserved favor that they did not expect, that they did not earn and yet there might have been people that had watched these shepherds before. There might have been people that had seen these shepherds 
taking care of their sheep and probably thought, man, these shepherds, you know, there's no big deal. They, they ain't all that. They're just shepherds. You ever had people look at you and say, you're not a big deal. You're not all that. See, they don't know who's inside you, right? And so I'm sure they were observing these, sheep, these shepherds taking care of their sheep. Let me just tell you something about uh, uh, sheep. Sheep are not that exciting even when they're awake. Could you imagine why these little lumps, white lumps are sleeping? It's not a lot of activity going on. And I'm sure as people were observing them from the outside, they probably saw, saw them and said, oh, it's no big deal. They're just uh, these shepherds taking care of their sheep, doing their little thing. It's no big deal. But, but I want you to realize something, that God uses people who are faithful in the little things to make you ruler over many things. God uses your stewardship and will determine your stewardship in the little things to give you rulership over many things. And so the Bible says, the angel said, listen, I have good news. And the good news was a good news of great joy. And I want you to realize something. The people of God need to have some great joy. We need to have great joy. How many have heard the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come? Let earth receive her king, right? We're supposed to be singing and having some joy in our life, and yet many times we don't realize, see, there's something about the Christianity. Christianity is inherently supposed to have joy. It's what distinguishes uh, from other religions. Christianity has joy in it. It's like you can't have Christianity without joy. It's like you can't get in the water and not get wet. You can't be a Christian and not have joy. You've got to have some joy in your life. It's supposed to be coming out of your life. And so God wants us to have joy. God created us to have joy. Jesus was the man of joy. In fact, the Bible said the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of joy. Did you hear me? And so when you read the Bible, you're going to find that there is joy mentioned over 200 times. You can't go from Genesis to Revelation without bumping into joy somewhere. When you begin to read the scripture, you're going to find that there is joy. In fact, Psalms 30 verse 5 says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, someone needs to know it's morning time. Somebody got a revelation of that. Somebody needs to know today in this place that it's morning time for you. That God is saying to you, no more, no more dark seasons for you. No more dark times in your life. But he wants to give you some joy in the morning. So I'm going to pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you'll reach across this building right now. There are people here that are tired of a dark season. They are tired of dark relationship. Some of them can't get up in the morning because they know, God, that it's dark. But God, today, you are bringing a season of joy because joy comes in the morning. Somebody shout, hallelujah. And Psalm 30, verse 11, you turn my wailing or my mourning of sorrow into dancing. In other words, I was moping around, and all of a sudden, I found joy. Hallelujah. I was driving in my car, and all of a sudden, I got a little bit of joy. I began to dance 
in my car. I begin to dance on my way to work. Can you say amen? God turned my mourning or my wailing into dancing. And then it says there in Psalm 3011, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove, you remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. In other words, I was wearing sadness but you gave me a jacket of joy. You gave me a jacket of joy. And so I want you to know God has restyled you. He is refashioning you and putting a jacket of joy on your life. Turn to someone and say, you look good in joy. You do. You look good in joy, man. Something about joy when you're clothed with joy. Even David said, when anxiety was great in me, when I was worried about what I was going to do, when, when I was worried about what I was going to do about it, or what I was going to do about him, or what I was going to do about that, somehow God gave me some joy. In Psalm 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. You escorted and ushered joy into my life. You're my great counselor. God, how many know he's called wonderful counselor? God, you put me on your couch and you begin to counsel me and give me some joy. When I was sad, you gave me the jacket of joy. Somebody shout hallelujah. Psalms 126.5, those who sow with tears will reap with thongs of joy. Sowing in tears is good grief. You know why? Because joy is coming in the morning. When you sow with tears, you will reap with songs of joy. Some of you never get to reap with joy because you don't sow with tears. What happens is many of you this morning, the reason why you're acting like you're not hurt, you're acting like you got it all together, you won't humble yourself and say, you know what, I don't got it all together. You won't sow in tears. That's why you're not going to be healed in joy. You're not going to be healed by the power of God unless you realize that you need to sow a little bit of tears. Some of you need to cry because you'll never be restored until you learn how to cry. Until you begin to admit that you're broken and you need God to restore you. You can't be fixed unless you admit you're broken. Can you say amen? So go ahead and tell somebody, you know what? It did bother me that this happened to me. It did bother me that these things went happened. This person abandoned me. But thank God I sowed in tears, but God gave me a reaping with joy. Can you say amen? See, when you read in Scripture, there's an undeniable emphasis on joy. When you read throughout the Bible, you're going to find that God's word gives us joy. Jesus said he gave us the word to give us joy. Look at what it says in John 15, 11. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He said my joy, not the world's joy. Not the joy from other people. This, again, is God exposing something in the word. Joy, listen to me. Joy is evidence of the way God intends spirituality to impact your emotional quality of life. See, a lot of times we think that God's only concern, uh, when we talk about your spiritual life, he's only concerned about your character and your moral life. But I'm here to tell you that the spirituality also impacts your emotional well-being. God wants your emotional well-being. 
What if I told you that if in, that in Scripture that God reveals himself several times and it's just as important that you uh, walk morally and with good character as it is to walk emotionally stable. God wants you to be emotionally stable as well. God wants your emotions to be settled. Are you with me? How many of you have children? And you know your children well, don't you? And you know when something's wrong... When they come in the door, don't you? You know your kids real well. If they come into the door one day, I'm going to just walk down here. If they come into the door one day and they come from school and, you, and, and, they, and, and they just have this look on them or they just look down and you go, what's wrong? And they go, nothing. He goes, what's wrong with you? Nothing. They walk in and you, you become CSI in a moment, man. You come over there and you say, look at me. What's wrong with you? What happened? And you go, nothing happened. He go, what's his name? What's his last name? We're, we're, we're going to school. Oh, when? Right now. We're going to school right now. We're going to go see the vice principal. If we need to, I'll go right up to the principal. But we're going to take care of this today because we care about the emotional well-being of our children. Am I right? How much more does your heavenly father care about your emotional well-being? How much more does your heavenly father care about your state of mind and how you are doing right now? He wants you to have his joy. I said he wants you to have his joy today. And so the Bible wants us as believers to pass just the fickle feeling. Because sometimes we can get into feelings so much that when the feelings leave, we got no joy. And so I'm going to just say this to you, that that joy needs to pass from a feeling, but it needs to be an emotional condition. Now, what do I mean by that? Because a lot of times we, we, we misinterpret happiness for joy. They're not the same. Some of you are thinking, well, happiness is joy. That's where you're wrong. That's where you misdiagnose what joy is. You misdiagnose happiness for joy and they're not the same. They're two different things. I want you to put that screen up there. I want to show you the difference between joy and happiness. They are not the same. So happiness is the feeling or, and joy is an emotional condition. Happiness is triggered by the external and joy is triggered by the internal. Now, what do I mean by that? You probably have heard this. I've said it a couple of, a couple of times. Uh, uh, happiness is connected to what's happening. Listen to me. This is why, where we mistake joy. And this is why happiness doesn't work. When happiness is connected to what's happening, that means your relationship with your husband or your wife has to be good. That's happening. That's good. That means your relationship with your kids have to be good. And if you have more than one, that means all of them have to be good. Your husband has to be good. Then you have that best friend that that relationship has to be good. And then, and then, and then, and then at work, the relationship with those coworkers have to be good. See, uh, based on what's happening, and then, then, then the money that's coming in, because money can be funny, am I right? It has to be good. And then your relationship with your extended family and your siblings have to be good. And you have to be able to maintain all of that good at the same time. And if everything's not juggling just at the right time, guess what? Then you're unhappy and you think it's joy. You've misdiagnosed happiness for joy. 
See, happiness is based on what's happening. And you can't maintain things that are out of your control. Did you hear me? And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to maintain all of these different things and trying to keep them. See, I don't want my happiness in the hands of a moody coworker. So in other words, man, if my coworker doesn't like me, it takes everything away from me. My life is down. Or I don't want my happiness based on a, a temperamental teenager. Am I right? Man, my teenager is not doing good, so your whole life is unhappy. I don't want my happiness connected to who the president is and what the economy is doing. Because I want you to know there will be another four years and there will be a different president. All these different things. Happiness is triggered by the external when joy is triggered by the internal. Happiness is short-term. It won't last. You can have it where everything's going good all at the same time, but guess what? Something goes off. It don't, it don't last. Joy is long-term. Happiness, listen to me, is based on a situation of what is, but joy is based on a revelation of who he is. Hallelujah. You know who he is. Happiness is the natural emotion. But joy is the spiritual experience. Happiness comes from feelings, and joy comes from faith. Can you say amen? You cannot have joy without having faith. You, when you have faith, you have joy. When you have joy, you have faith because you know that God is in control no matter what's going on in your life. So let me give you a definition of joy that I found. It says that joy is a sense of jubilation, a jubilation based on a revelation that my well-being rests securely in the hands of God. In other words, I know that God's got my back, who is producing a favorable outcome for me. So joy is that revelation that knowing that God got my back, he's in control, and God wants the best for my life. That means when I'm in the middle of a tough situation, when I'm in the middle of, of a tough situation, I have a revelation. I could see something that no one else sees. God's got my back. He, my, my Savior's got the final word. God's got the final word. The doctor don't got the final word. God's got the final word. In fact, James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when all these various trials come your way. Why? Because your Savior is producing a better outcome beyond that trial. You know that God got your back. God's working in your life beyond what you see. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to give you a great example, and this is the best part of the sermon. So I really need you to listen, okay? Don't get on the phone. Don't get on Instagram. Don't get on Facebook. Don't worry about the pop-up. Just ignore it. Just throw it down. But listen to this part right here because I think that if we hear it, we could really relate to it. This is Jesus. It's talking about Jesus on the cross. And look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Looking, looking to who? Jesus, right? Stop looking at everybody else. If you just look at Jesus, it'll solve your problems, okay? The author and the finisher of our faith it says, who for the joy, again, there's that word joy, that was set before him, endured the cross. He was able to get through the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus was able to endure the cross, the pain, 
the agony of the present thing that was happening in his life because there was the joy that was set before him in the future. So Jesus is on the cross, and it reveals the distinction. Listen to me. It reveals the distinction between our feelings and our emotional condition. Because the Bible says Jesus is on the cross, okay? He's feeling the pain. He's nailed to a cross. Obviously, he's in agony, and yet at the same time, he's able to minister in the midst of his pain. How is he doing that? Well, the Bible says, well, he's hanging on the cross. He's not focused on his pain. He's focused on the criminal next to him. And he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus had a joy knowing that the guy next to him, him and that guy were going to go in the paradise. So though he was in pain, he had a joy of the promise of God, of the future of God. So let me just tell you something. Happiness doesn't allow pain, but joy, even in pain, you can still have joy. Even in sorrow, you can still have joy. Even in agony, you can have joy because joy is spiritual, not just emotional, and it can exist simultaneously with contradictory feelings. In other words, you may not feel like it, but you still got joy. You may have pain because someone in your life has passed away. Someone that was close to you has passed away. You may have that pain, but yet you have joy because you know where they're at. They're with Jesus. So you are in sorrow in one place. You are emotionally feeling the pain of them being gone, but yet you have the joy of knowing where they're at. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we grieve not like other people grieve that have no hope. He says, I'm crying because I've missed those that have gone, but I'm not worried about them because I know they're in a better place. I'm not crying for them. I'm crying because I'm going to miss them, but I still got a joy because I know where they're at. They're in the presence of Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? See, a lot of us this morning, we got to have painless. It's got to be painless, and then we're happy. I want you to know you can have pain and still have joy. You can have a confidence in God, knowing that, you know what? Yeah, I may be going through all of this, but I am confident in who God is. You know, other people, you may have lost your job. You may be scared, but at the same time, you got joy because you know God's going to give you a better job because you know God's going to take care of you. You know that God's got your back regardless of what you're going through. This is the power that I'm describing to you this morning. The enemy is after your joy. Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. How many remember that song? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not going to have you sing it, but that song right there, where it comes from, it comes from Nehemiah 18, that the joy, or 810, the joy is my strength. So the enemy comes after your strength by coming after your joy. See, sometimes this morning, the thing that he's attacking is not the primary target, that's secondary. He's actually trying to get to the primary, which is your joy. See, sometimes he'll attack things in your life, not because that's the primary attack. He's using that to steal your joy. The Bible says, Jesus said, I come that you may have a life and have it more abundantly, but the thief comes to kill and to steal. He's after your joy. 
He's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to rob your joy. He's using all these other things around you. That is the secondary target. The primary target is your joy. And when he can steal your joy, he can steal your strength. Samson, listen to me. He's trying to steal your joy. Are you listening to me today? He's trying to steal your joy so he can steal your strength. And he can take that strength from you. You have to have this discernment and realize, man, I need to fight for my joy. Man, the, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. You're not going to take my joy. There have been times, there have been battles where the enemy has tried to rob my joy. Where the enemy has tried to rob my joy. But thank God, I have a good wife, man, that just seems to have this outlook on things. See, joy, listen to me, there is power in joy. I said there's power in joy. Number one, write this down, that joy protects you. I said joy protects you. Listen to this scripture right here out of Proverbs 27, verse 7. When you are full, you will refuse honey. But when you are hungry, even bitter food tastes sweet. See, you can be attracted to what's unhealthy when you're hungry. You are most hungry in the spiritual time when you're unhappy. Let's take an honest evaluation. I want you to just kind of take an audit of yourself. Some of us have made the worst decisions in our life when you were hungry for the wrong things. Am I right? All of a sudden, because you, didn't, you weren't content with where you were at, those temptations became very tempting. That alcohol, those drugs. See, the Bible says, again, it says, even bitter food tastes good. You know it's destroying your life. You know it's ruining your life. You know that habit is driving you nowhere. But see, when you're not content, when you don't have the joy of God, when you're hungry, even unhealthy things taste good. See, that's what the Bible is saying here this morning. Joy protects you. It, everything is harder when you're hungry. How many have ever tried to eat uh, right? How many try to eat healthy? And then they bring Krispy Kreme donuts. And then you're like saying, man, I know I shouldn't eat that, but I'm hungry and I really want that. Am I right? Some of us this morning, that's the way it is in the spiritual realm because you don't have the joy of God because you're not content in who God is this morning. Then right away, you're willing because you're unhappy. You're willing to go for things that you shouldn't go for. Joy protects you. And therefore, when it protects you this morning, even honey, you're, you're satisfied. I don't need that. You learn how to stay in your lane. Am I right? You learn how to stay where God keeps you. These things don't tempt you. People say, hey, man, here, here's some beer. I'm good, man. You're a fool. I'm not going to get caught up in that. Here's some drug. Oh, dude, that's, I'm not going to waste my money doing that. That's for stupid people. Are you with me? I'm not going to do that. I'm staying in my lane. I know what God, I'm not hungry for that. I'm satisfied. I got the joy of God in my life. Are you hearing me? See, when you're not satisfied this morning, what happens is everything begins to be a temptation because you have not learned to be content in your joy. And so lots of people sometimes will try to pull you out of your lane. They'll try to say, hey, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? Why don't you do this? And all of that, man, tell somebody, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. 
When people try to get me out of my lane, say, no, 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 I'm, you know, it, it's fine. You do what you want to do, boo, but I'm going to do what I'm going to do, hallelujah, because I'm staying in my lane. All right? I'm staying in my lane. I love you, appreciate you, but, but I'm going to stay in my lane, and I'm going to do what God's called me to do because I've got the joy of the Lord, and he's my strength. Second thing is joy promotes God. It, when you have true joy, you'll learn how to promote God. You're not trying to promote yourself. That's why people come up here and worship God because they're not trying to promote themselves. They're trying to promote God. They're trying to give God praise because they understand that the joy that they have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Isaiah 43, 7 said, God created you for his glory. 1 Peter 1, 8, God gives us unexpressible joy full of glory so we exist to give god praise we exist to give god glory god is glorified through his people by the joy of the uh, the joy that they have how are we going to be a light to the world how are we going to be a salt of the earth today people want to see the joy that's in you when they see the joy that's in your life people will get attracted uh, i don't care what social life they're from even if they're rich poor even if for from uh, other place in the world they are attracted to joy. Joy gives an opportunity to reveal to people the goodness of God. My God is good. Amen. God is good. I said God is good. <laughs> See, no matter what, you know, you, you people ask you, man, how do you handle what you're handling? I don't understand, man. You're going through all of this. I've got joy. I got the joy of God in my life, and it protects me. It keeps me. Are you with me? And the third thing it does, joy produces a perspective that is different from other people. See, joy gives you a set of eyes where you're able to look at the same thing and see something different. In other words, you and somebody else may be looking at the same thing, but joy causes you to see something different than other people see. This is why I like that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. He said, you know what? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Because you joy gives you a set of eyes that other people can't see. They say, how are you rejoicing when you're going through that? How are you having joy when you're going through this? How do you have joy when all this is happening in your life? Because my joy is not based on a situation, but my joy is based on a revelation that God is good, that he's powerful, and he's got my back. Can you say amen? Years ago, I remember I was, uh, I, I was, when I was pastoring a church, uh, uh, this church, we were in Bellflower. We didn't have a building. We were subleasing a building. We, we had a small group. We were, we were just trying to grow people. We were trying to grow the church. We were doing the best we could, and we were subleasing this building. And I remember they sold the building. You remember that, huh, Sister Lupe? Sister Lupe's been here 30 years. She's been with us from the beginning. She remembers that. And they said, you got 30 days to get out. And we, we didn't have no building. We didn't know where we were going to go. And I remember I looked at my wife. I was kind of moping around. I'm just be honest. I wasn't happy. My, my, my joy... My joy was getting connected to what was happening and my feelings and all of that. And she said, honey, you need to enjoy the journey. 
God got us on a journey. I go, what journey? She go, it's a journey. God got us on a journey. And can I tell you something? It wasn't a couple months later. We started subleasing this building down the street here, uh, down, down here on Madison Street. And then uh, four or five months later, we bought the building and God took care of it, see? Now, our Spanish ministry is in that building. And so what's happening now is, see, again, is joy. See, when you have joy, obstacles become opportunities. When you got joy, you become optimistic. What is, what is optimistic? You see the bright side of things. I said you begin to see the bright side of things. You, you're not, you know, people are cynical. You know what a cynic is? A cynic always sees the negative things. I always see the bad thing. You can tell them good news, it's still bad. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. They're, they're, they're cynics. They look at all the negative stuff rather than seeing anything positive. But when you got the joy of God, you learn that God is good no matter what is happening in your life. I was going to read this story. I'll read it to you. I, I was going to say it in the 9 o'clock, but I couldn't remember the story. So somebody... Somebody said, Here, here's the story, Pastor. I know what you're talking about. So there was this Chinese farmer. Are you ready for this? And he buys a horse, really proud of this horse, but soon that horse runs away. And the neighbors come to him and said, sorry about the bad news. And the farmer says, how do you know it's bad news? He says, well, the horse ran away. He goes, how can you say it's bad news or good news? Later on, the horse comes back and brings 12 other horses with it. Neighbor said, man, I heard about the good news. He goes, how do you know it's good news? Could be good news or bad news. Later on, his son gets on one of the horses, and while he's trying to get one of the horses, he falls off the horse, and he breaks his leg. The neighbor comes to him and says, uh, sorry about the bad news. Farmer said, how do you know it's bad news? Could be bad news or good news. Later on, the emperor comes, and he begins to get all the young men to join into his army. But because his son has broken his leg, they don't recruit him. And the neighbors come and say, man, we heard the good news. How do you know it's good news? Could be good news or bad news. See, you can't base your happiness or your joy on what's happening. You've got to trust God that he's the God that's got your back. See, we don't know whether it's good news or bad news, but I know when I look at Jesus, he's bringing good news of great joy. I said, he's bringing good news of great joy. So joy gives you a set of eyes that you can see things differently than other people. Now, you may be sitting out there thinking, well, that's just a bunch of religious rhetoric. See, you don't know what joy is then. Your joy is based on what's going on around you. But see, even in my pain, even in my biggest trial, I can still have the joy of God. I don't have to go back into things. I don't have to default into all these other things. I can just say, God, I trust you. You're good. You got my back. God, I believe you're going to turn it around for my favor. Are you with me? I believe that somehow, God, supernaturally, you're going to do something good. That, that out of this bad thing, you're going to do something good. I shared this story with, with you before, and I want the musicians to come up, and I'll, I'll just share this last story. I've shared it before, but I want to share it with you because I believe this morning that if you just have joy, if you just trust God, even the most difficult times in your life, 
you can still find joy. There was years ago, I remember I was working this job and all of a sudden this, this particular company I was working with wasn't doing good. And I remember they gave me my last paycheck and it was right before Thanksgiving. And I, I said this before, at the bottom of the check in the memo, it said, happy holidays. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where, what job I was going to have. I, the economy wasn't doing great. And I remember thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, but God, I'm going to trust you. And I remember I went to the unemployment office, and I was going to fill out that application. I'm not telling you to do this, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me. I filled out that application. As I was about to go to the counter, the Holy Spirit said, don't turn in that application. You don't need that. I've got something for you. I said, oh, man. I hesitated. I'm just be honest. See, because when you're scared, man, you, you, you don't know what. Should I do it? Should I not? But, but something told me, just trust God. So I ripped it up, threw it in the trash, walked, went, you know, walked in my car, went home. My wife said, what happened? I said, I'm not, I'm not going to get unemployment. There's no way. God's going to give me a job. And I remember this man gave me this card before he came into the company. I didn't know who he was. He, he had walked into the company right before, uh, you know, I got laid off or not laid off, but right before they got my pink slip. And he had given me this card. And uh, he was the president of our competitor. And he said, call me. If, 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 you, if, you know, if you need a job, he had called, said, call me. And I had called him previously, but this time I said, I need to make a call again. So I called him. And he said, come on in and see me. So I went that day to see him. And he said, you know what? I don't need no one right now. I, I'm, all, all the spaces that I have is filled, everything. I, I don't have even room for you. But there's something in you that I feel I need to hire you. And he goes, no, I'm going to hire you. And at that time, this was back in the 80s, I was making $8. And he said, how much you want? I said, I want $10 an hour. He goes, $10, huh? He goes, man, that's quite a bit. I said, yeah, but you're going to see I'm worth it. He said, I'm going to hire for, you for $10 an hour. I remember he hired me. Within two years, I was making $15 an hour. Within a couple of years, I was making $20 an hour. And we had this connection me, me and that owner, even throughout the time that I worked there, even with his son-in-law, everybody that was there, just had this connection. It was like a divine thing that God put together. But it all came back to I had to trust God. I couldn't mope around in my pain. I had to trust God and know that I have joy even in the midst of pain. So maybe today you're here. You know what the devil's saying to you? Man, you don't have a job. You don't have this. You don't have that. Devil, you're using that to get to my joy. I still got joy. I still got God. God's still good. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.